Chapter Fifteen of Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen We Feared, We Hoped, We Trembled. There came a morning when anxiety and suspense reached their climax. Lida was in that dangerous state in which she recognized us all, knew in a puzzled, excitable way that much time had passed, that she was very sick that people were alarmed about her, and, worse than all, she was fearfully alarmed about herself. Her lucid moments were few, for she immediately puzzled and frightened herself back into delirium. The doctor took no pains to conceal his anxiety. For hours he watched over her, applying quieting remedies with no apparent effect, her excitement seeming to increase every moment. At last he turned from her as if in despair. "'If she cannot in some way be quieted and put to sleep,' he said, addressing her father, who had followed him from the room, "'she cannot live but a few hours. Her strength is not equal to this terrible strain.' Terrible words, these, when the skillful doctor admitted by them that his resources were exhausted. We were all in the room, or in the hall, near at hand irving looking haggard enough to have been the patient himself hovered in the background the doctor having nervously ordered him to keep out of sight it seemed to me strange and unnatural that lida did not ask for irving did not mention him in any way and yet she remembered at intervals about her past for she had said to me but an hour before i was to have been married i wasn't was i why was it changed was i too sick oh dear i'm very sick i'm going to die i know i'm going to die this sentence she repeated again and again each time her voice growing louder until it became a wild and fearful cry then for a time she would be utterly lost to us in the ravings of delirium this in turn would be followed by a sort of stupor and then another partially lucid interval but it was painfully noticeable that she grew momentarily weaker. It was in one of the wildest of these paroxysms that the doctor had turned away with his despairing sentence. I do not see that I can do anything more for her. Indeed, the climax of her excitement seemed to have arrived. She tossed from side to side and wailed her fearful cry, I am going to die, and I'm afraid oh i'm afraid until her mother lost for a few blessed moments her agony in unconsciousness and was carried from the room i could almost have wished that the same relief might have come to irving his face was so drawn with pain and misery that i felt my heart groaning for him still the agonized cries went on and still the doctor bent over her murmuring soothingly no one shall hurt you you are not going to die nothing shall harm you he might as well have talked to the wind that was roaring fiercely outside she gave as little heed in the hall a short time before the doctor had asked turning fiercely to mrs smith whom he had called out to consult what has started her in this way surely we have no fanatic among us who has been cruel enough to try to talk religion to her his finely cut lip curving into almost a sneer as he spoke the word. 
mrs smith made very quiet answer i've only talked to the lord about the poor lamb not at all to her i felt that she had not sense enough now to think about it but he can think for her the stern-eyed doctor regarded her with a puzzled air as if she were a creature from another world speaking a different language from any with which he was familiar then turned and went back to his patient without further questioning elizabeth said the firm quiet voice of her aunt breaking in upon the dread wail of the child a quiet voice yet strong enough to rise above the shrill cry which Lita was making elizabeth i want you to be still and listen to me i've got something to tell you and if you'll be real still i'll tell it the fevered face turned toward her and the bloodshot eyes were riveted for a moment upon her the very name elizabeth a name which she never heard from other lips seemed to arrest her attention and the quiet kind old eyes bent on her held her gaze are you god she said in an awe-stricken whisper not a muscle of her aunt's face changed her eyes lost none of their calm no she said as if answering the most natural question in the world but i'm his messenger he has sent a word to you that he wants you to think about did he say i was going to die nothing more pitifully eager than her tone can be imagined no he said i have loved her with an everlasting love tell her this thy maker is thy husband thy husband elizabeth think of it you have thought what that word means i dare say you have thought about it a great deal and he sent it to you on purpose so you would understand there came into the child's eyes that retrospective look which shows us that a mind is sweeping back over its past doubtless she had dwelt on that word husband with tender anticipation she was so nearly a wife that the word had become very sweet to her she had looked forward to saying in fond proud tones my husband the wild light began to die out of her eyes which were still fixed upon her aunt who had risen and was bending over her holding her hand and passing a soft light touch over her forehead as she said over and over again in those low firm tones which conveyed a sense of strength he says he has loved you with an everlasting love he says i am to say to you that thy maker is thy husband she was certainly listening and the doctor watching her with keen professional eye telegraphed with significant gesture that her pulse was lessening presently she spoke in a perfectly natural tone but aunt maria i haven't loved him i haven't done anything for him the doctor's start of surprise to hear the low-keyed natural voice was so instantly followed by a frown at his own folly and a startled glance toward mrs smith lest she too should break the soothing spell that we realized more fully still the importance of the calm nothing could have been quieter or more prompt than her aunt's voice yes he knows all about that my lamb still he sends the message he wants you to love him 
wants you to begin now but i have wasted my life yes maybe so he knows he is your maker you know and now he bids me say that he will be your husband don't you think he can forgive anything after that his love is everlasting he wants yours now not yesterday's but today's aunt maria am i going to die the doctor gave an emphatic start this time and tried vigorously to arrest mrs smith's attention while he shook his head earnestly she did not for a moment remove her eyes from Lida's face nor for a moment hesitate with her answer i don't know my lamb he knows all about it he didn't send you any word about that only the other i have loved her with an everlasting love and then that other thy maker is thy husband what he wants to know is if you will love him and take him for your husband how much did the fever-wasted mind understand of the solemn and tender message who can tell we waited breathlessly the doctor curiously his professional anxiety was giving way to professional curiosity to see how this new form of treatment would work two other physicians also eminent who had been called in council and been unable to appear until now tiptoed into the room and waited and were evidently curious and the quiet old voice went on repeating its tender message over and over and over and then the tender inquiry elizabeth he wants to know if you will take him for your husband now yes came in low yet perfectly distinct tones from the fever-parched lips not a note of the controlled voice changed as the dear old lady instantly answered then tell him so my lamb just shut your eyes and speak to him he can hear you know if you speak ever so low if you only think it in your heart he will hear you he hears you now but he will like the word direct from you back and forth went the soothing hand making its slow regular passes again and again the firm voice repeated the message i have loved thee with an everlasting love slowly those restless wide-open eyes that had been wide open all through the long night and all through the long day thus far lost their distressed look the lids drooped lower and lower the two small wasted hands were clasped as a child's might have been who was saying now i lay me down to sleep the lips moved but no sound from them was heard this side of heaven we stood in perfect hush around that bed nothing to break it save that steady voice falling lower and lower making no pause between the sentences or repeated sentence for she simply said those sublime words and at last it became apparent to us all that for the first time in two weeks the child was sleeping a quiet natural sleep or else it was the sleep that knows no waking here weeks afterwards we called that day the climax but we did not know it at the time we hovered with Lida apparently on the very confines of another world not that there had not been a decided change the fever had spent its force the trouble was 
all that it seemed to have left behind was a small pale wreck without power to rally its scattered forces and creep back into life again day after day she lay there like a snow wreath too weak to speak too weak to move so much as her small wasted hands just strength enough to turn her eyes from one side to another and smile but it was a blessed relief that she smiled the look of terror which had blanched her face during those memorable and fearful hours was gone she was evidently at rest whether it was that she was now too weak too nearly slipped out of life to be other than at rest we did not know we feared and we hoped and we trembled it is a kind of deathbed repentance said mrs solomon smith to me wiping her tired eyes during one of those brief intervals in which she was off duty i've always been mortal afraid of them and i am now poor little dove she ought to have been got into the ark long ago do you think she is going to die laura asked the question in an awe-stricken whisper she thought so herself or perhaps it might be put she feared so but no one since the change had put it into words i don't know child in a tired half hopeless voice there is so little of her left to die it seems as if it would be so easy so much easier just to shut her eyes and not open them again that i feel kind of astonished every time i see them open she thinks herself that she is going to die continued mrs smith she told me so last night in the night but she is very quiet and peaceful oh quiet as a lamb she spoke about getting married and said she thought she was going to be the bride of christ i wouldn't let her talk the doctor said i mustn't but i was sorry afterwards she wanted to she had sweet things to tell me she said poor lamb generally mrs smith was cheerful it was only occasionally in the privacy of my room that she allowed herself to sigh but i saw that she had very little hope of lida sometimes it seemed to us that this lull was almost harder to bear than the excitement of constant suffering and constant attempts to do for our sick one had been there seemed nothing to do now but to wait what the doctor thought he kept to himself he came and went twice three times occasionally four times during the day and night but apparently doing as little for her as the rest of us just watching and waiting i began to grow very anxious for irving his business furlough had been extended his place temporarily supplied in fact it was found that even governments had hearts and there was nothing for him but to bear from hour to hour that fearful strain it was telling on him like a fit of sickness he had grown almost as thin as lida his face was quite as colorless and now that the strange calm had come to hers was far more haggard auntie smith thought much of him made many journeys from the chamber of watching on his account always appeared to him with a pleasant face and an earnest keep up a good heart my boy the lord reigns and he loves the child better than you do and you know how much that means 
you may be sure he will do his best for her she was left much alone with her patient it was the doctor's command that the weakened brain should not be disturbed by different faces about her and as the mother's strength had almost entirely given out since the first strain had been removed and she had dropped into the role of an invalid it had been decreed that she must not exert herself for lida at all so it fell to me to relieve mrs solomon in her ministrations and we too took sole charge laura would have liked to establish herself there but this i peremptorily refused the child had cares enough all around the disorganized household without becoming nurse i hardly know when it was that the doctor's daily deliverances began to change slightly i think it was irving who first said to me with lips so white that i remember i thought him fainting that he believed the doctor was a little less hopeless after that i watched more closely and gradually began to detect what seemed to me hopeful signs these i communicated to irving feeling that he needed them to help him keep his reason little by little the story grew until we were almost prepared one morning for lida's own words as her aunt bent over her auntie i'm not to go to heaven yet after all i've been afraid to get well for fear i should lose this this sweet something i don't know the name of it but jesus told me last night in the night that he was going to take care of me down here a while that he could do it just as easily here as in heaven and i suppose he can it was that very morning that the doctor stopped in the hall held out his hand to irving and said with the nearest approach to emotion that i had ever seen in him i congratulate you young man i believe good nursing has saved her that aunt of hers is certainly a remarkable woman then we had another form of excitement for a few minutes and the doctor another patient irving fainted quite away and the grim doctor gone back into the very depths of his grimness worked over him in silence for several minutes from that time we got on steadily not rapidly it is true but from day to day the gain was apparent before the week had closed it became evident that the frail girl who had so nearly crossed the dividing line between us and that other world was coming back to the things of this life she asked for irving one morning before the hour that the doctor allowed him to make his daily call showed great satisfaction in his visit and regret over his speedy departure he came to me with a radiant face it is lida herself auntie he said eagerly for weeks she has seemed to me as an angel who was just waiting for wings to float away out of sight but this morning she is almost herself after that the improvement was noticeably rapid irving visited her oftener and remained longer and gradually it grew to be a thing for him to spend nearly half the day by her side long talks they had together broken frequently by admonitions from her watchful nurse to talk no more until she had slept or eaten or taken her drops she was a sweet quiet patient ready to obey with a smile not in the least impatient over the long waiting for strength 
totally unlike her former self, although Irving joyously declared that she grew daily more like the Lita whom he had known. "'I am not like her,' she said, with a quiet, confident smile, looking full into his eyes. "'I'm not a bit like her, Irving, in ever so many things. When I get well, you will find me changed.' Whether he understood her or not, I did not know at the time. But Auntie Smith understood— there was a satisfied look in her tired old eyes. "'It is a genuine thing,' she said to me afterwards. "'I am a faithless old body. I didn't seem to believe that the Lord could accept her on her sickbed, or could tell any better than I whether she really meant it or not. So he let her get well to prove to me that he can take care of his own, living or dying. She means it all through.' it was impossible not to see the change it so puzzled and troubled her mother that she felt sure lida was not so well as we thought and worried herself into many a sick headache over the fear that her darling was going to slip away from her after all there was another whom it puzzled and that was laura she did not say much but i could see her watching with curious eyes the settled calm of lida's face so unlike the restless flutter of her life heretofore. The sweetness that grew with returning strength, the gentle effort to give as little trouble as possible, the unselfish thoughtfulness for others. "'Mama,' she said to me one day, as we came together from Lita's room, "'it is almost as if she had died and come to life again.' "'She has,' I told her, and I quoted the familiar verse about being made alive in Christ. But Laura shook her head. I cannot understand such sudden changes, Mamma, and besides, I don't expect them to last. Wait until society gets hold of her again. And I wondered when my poor Laura would understand. End of chapter 15